0: Yes, hello, how are we doing? Welcome to the sound of the start of your weekend, the NTT20 betting show, sponsored by Betfair. This podcast is for over 18s only. We talk about betting. Head to begamblerware.org to brush up on some of the dangers that come with gambling. Never bet more than you can afford to lose, never chase your losses. Please gamble responsibly. I'm Ali Maxwell, he's George Ellick, and it gives me great pleasure to say that we can recap quite a strong week, George including your best nap since you got home from Glastonbury in
1: 2017. That is, so you you texted me at, I think, half past nine this morning. Mm-hmm. It is now 20 to three saying, what year did you go to Glastonbury again? Mm-hmm. Which I thought it was quite a weird question, given that you, you know, you basically hate all music that isn't the, isn't the Maccabees or whatever's on Radio 1 at the moment. And it turned out it was just for that gag, which is good. Correct.
0: When I started my notes, my first note was, strong week for George, what a nap. And then obviously I was like, well, that, that's I've got to make a nap about a gag, a gag about a nap even. And then I thought, I need to make sure I'm being, you know, accurate. Have a nap about a gag. I need to be accurate in my football reporting, in my opinions where possible, and certainly in my quips.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, it was good. It was nice to get on the right side of a ninety-three minute, ninety-third minute winner as well um, to land the nap. But Lincoln doing the job at
0: Plymouth Argyle. Um, which was which was lovely to see and, and very much needed and a goal scorer winner as well for you at eleven to four. Danny Ward went and scored three, didn't he? Two more than was mm. necessary. That meant that you had a fourteen to five nap winner. That's plus five point six points, and the eleven to four winner plus two point seven five points. You had three picks that didn't come in. Fleetwood at Charlton, no good. Sheffield United lay, no good. Uh, BTTS and over two point five goals. Swindon Outrageous, versus that one. Rovers must have been a tough one to take. One, one all, all after twenty five minutes. One all after twenty five. minutes and there endeth the goal scoring so uh, a good strong week for you plus 5.36 points from six staked uh, and I was plus 1.45 thanks to my Huddersfield nap a 4-3 winner against Reading not nearly as comfy as I had hoped and Fulham going over 1.5 goals as well was my first goals pick winner for eight weeks. So there's a spring in our collective step as we approach what we hope will be another full slate of EFL action. The most throbbing of dockets, George. What's your best bet of the EFL weekend? What is your latest nap?
1: My nap is in League One. It's in quite a large game in terms of importance between Sheffield Wednesday and Ipswich Town. And I'm napping Wednesday to run out victors at six to five, which I think might might surprise a few people. There are a few... A few caveats to this. Firstly, I think if we take the last two games that these two teams have played, we went to go and see Ipswich beat Wimbledon at Wimbledon 2-0 on Tuesday night. Now, I don't think they were particularly good value for the win. I wasn't in any way impressed by anything I saw from Ipswich on the night. That's not to say that AFC Wimbledon were necessarily better, but when you look at the two sides put out this was Wimbledon's youngest ever side averaging 22 and a half years of age the first team that went out there you compare that to the quality that should be running through Ipswich's side from a Norwood up front to a Luka in at 10 to Tom Carroll in midfield Wilfenden and, and, and Edmonton at the back you know they're purely on paper purely on, on money spent on wages it's not an over exaggeration an over exaggeration to say this should have been more akin to a cup game with one team's um, resources compared to the others than a league game. Yet there was very, very little between the two sides. Uh, Wimbledon were very good. They they didn't let Carroll and Backinson control the game from midfield. They basically didn't let Ipswich get particularly close to their goal throughout the whole game. Um, it was only a bit of a freak save from Christian Walton that prevented an own goal halfway through the second half at 0-0, that prevented FC Wimbledon from going ahead. And after, Ipswich certainly shaded the first half. I thought Wimbledon were probably the better side in the second and it was only there, them being in the ascendancy, that probably enabled Wes Burns to have the space to get in behind Guinness Walker twice. Burns is two moments of quality, certainly the difference. And what a, a team full of stars with no discernible style of play relying on individual quality to pick up points. Um, Kieran McKenna. That's kind of been the story of the teams that he's been involved with um, recent history with Manchester United over the over the past few years. And I saw absolutely nothing in Ipswich's display to get me in any way excited about the very, very early stages, it has to be said. And I'm by no means saying that McKenna isn't going to be a good appointment. But at this stage, I'm not seeing anything, even if the performances, so even if the results are a bit better and they are sitting pretty in the, in the form table in League One, um, that was... A performance that had me wanting to get against Ipswich and not with them. Uh, the opposition here is different to the, what they faced on Tuesday uh, in Sheffield Wednesday. Now, taking Sheffield Wednesday's last game, um, the losing three-two at home to Oxford, away at Oxford. Sorry, it was a much better performance than that suggests. And realistically, on the balance of play, if one team was going to win that game, it should have been Wednesday. If Wednesday win that game, putting in the same performance, and if as they probably should have done, and if Ipswich. Um, didn't pick up the three points that I think they didn't deserve in midweek then this game has a very different look to it but because the results tell a different story it looks like Ipswich are the former team coming into it I'm not entirely sure that they are Matt Taylor Oxford striker said after the game on on Saturday that Sheffield Wednesday were the best side to have played Oxford so far this season at the Kassam Stadium I think that's probably fair their performances in recent weeks have been decent as well Um, we've seen Nathaniel Mendez-Lang come into the side and look very dangerous. Uh, I think the signing of whether or not he starts here, I assume he probably will. Uh, the signing of Harley Dean is as impressive a centre-back signing as you're probably going to make at League One level, um, both in terms of, of what he can offer defensively and also as a character. Uh, and he's not, you know, at 30 years old, he's someone who should have a few years of, of playing. I'd have thought of the championship left in him. So I'm impressed by that. Um, and, and I think if both teams put in similar performances, Sheffield Wednesday should run out fairly easy winners. So um, adding to that, came Vincent Young, who was playing on the left-hand side for Ipswich, um, who didn't play particularly well, but he's suspended for this one after being sent off in midweek. Um, you have the extra benefit of, of Wednesday having had a week's rest, except unlike Town, who have two away matches in a row. Uh, yes, they'll probably bring in players like Macaulay, Bon and and Selina back into the side, which should improve them. Um, but from what I saw, they're just not really a team who look like they're set up to really know how to how to win games. And I know that Wednesday fans at the moment are pretty frustrated with Darren Moore, but I've seen enough in recent weeks to for me to upgrade them markedly. So I'm pretty confident here that Wednesday are the better side and, and that'll, that'll show in the scoreline. So six to five them um, to win this game is my nap.
0: Well, my nap is in another big looking affair in League One, Bolton Wanderers against Sunderland. And it's, Year of the stance related. I promised myself that I would stick to my guns. Uh, and it's Bolton to beat Sunderland at 5-2, to 3.5 with the Betfair Sportsbook. That's my nap this week. I will need to check with El Arbitro, Hugh Davis. I reckon this is my longest priced nap of the season. It comes with uh, anticipation, apprehension, excitement. Yeah, one of my big stances at the moment is that I think Bolton are going to finish comfortably higher than the 15th position that they're in as we record I suspect in the top half they might hit a bit of a wall around 10th because as we know there's that big chunk of teams at the top of League One and and Bolton have got a lot of points between themselves and there but I I really do think that they will finish the season on an upwards trajectory Uh, they're obviously coming into this one off the back of consecutive wins against Ipswich and against Shrewsbury it would be very much Wrong to say that they blew both of those teams away, uh, beating Ipswich 2-0 and Shrews 1-0 in the last minute, but they certainly got the sweet, sweet rubber. the green that I think Ian side have, have been due over the last uh, few months. It's been a strange season so far. They were seventh after 11 games uh, and started really well, and then they've had the second worst record in the next 13 games after that getting only eight points from 13, uh, the second worst record in League One before those two wins in the last week or so. Bit of a strange one. There's obviously been a lot of lol. Ian Everett said he thought they were the best team in the league, but lol, hmm. clearly they aren't. Uh, all those all those fun narratives. Um, but yeah, I think the confidence will be flowing back after two wins in a row. But the big part of it for me is, and this is a bit of a teaser to what we're going to talk about on Sky Sports, uh, our first Friday segment of the season on Friday night. Of the year. Of the year, of the of the winter season, the season, the, the literal season of winter, it's basically half a new team for Bolton since the start of the window, and unusually for me in terms of January business, they're all signings that I like, all signings that I don't see being, you know, fairly irrelevant short-term stop gaps, but actually. Good players, upgrades on on who was playing in those positions before and guys who can be part of a a Bolton squad that I could see first moving into the top half uh, to finish this season and who knows next season. Good players that I like a lot Um, and that's a big part of this. I think we can consider this half of a new team and if you compare the Accrington defeat that they suffered in mid-December to the Shrewsbury win last weekend, the starting eleven, in my opinion, it's, it's five upgrades basically. So uh, if you look at the game against Accrington, you had Dixon in goal. Uh, they've since brought in Trafford on loan, who was previously at Accrington. Now Trafford's shot stopping numbers weren't brilliant at Accrington, but Dixon's haven't been particularly good either. Um, and Trafford seems to have made a pretty assured start, as you can see with clean sheets in the last two league games. Baptiste has been sidelined since Ricardo Santos has come back from injury. That's an upgrade, uh, albeit not one that came in the transfer market. Uh, Gethin Jones back from injury. And in that Accrington game, Senior was playing at right back. Now he's a uh, Ironically, given his name, a sort of youth player, a reserve player who's who has since, I believe, gone out on loan to non-league. So that shows you what sort of current level he's at, but was starting a month ago. Thomason, another like reserve team player who's played bits and bobs over the last 18 months. You know, works very hard, but doesn't have a huge amount of technical quality. He's been replaced um, by Aaron Morley of Rochdale, who's someone who does have a lot of technical quality. Kachunga hasn't played the last few games. Marlon Fossey comes in from Fulham. I hadn't seen much of Fossey before, but what I've seen so far, I've really liked. Looks like a really interesting player. And then up front, Doyle is out and Dion Charles is in. Scored a spectacular winner last week. And I just see being a much better fit for this uh, side at this level. Much more mobile, just really lively. Can score with both feet. Powerful shot. Someone I like a lot. So a lot of upgrades for me. I think it looks a lot better on paper and I think it it, it adds a new dimension to this Bolton side. We should rate them higher, in my opinion, due to the players that they now have. And then, of course, the numbers, which you and I struggle to ignore and generally over the last few years have served us fairly well suggest that the first half of the season Bolton's performances weren't nearly as bad as results suggest and weren't being rewarded with points essentially Uh, looking at the Fox punter XG ratio tables over the course of the whole season Bolton's is the fifth best uh, XG ratio in league one at home the third best so very strong in terms of the underlying numbers and again not hugely reflected in results they've only won five of their 12 home games Uh, the last eight games second best x g ratio in the league so consistently pretty strong numbers Uh, they've got Sunderland coming to town who of course very strong side towards the top of the table they don't travel nearly as well as they play at home basically ever since I picked them to be in the top two in our mid-season predictions they've looked fairly poor I'd say Uh, very poor in defeat to Lincoln OK in a draw to Accrington, but a disappointing finish to that game, conceding an equaliser against 10 men, and then fine in their win against Portsmouth last weekend, where a draw probably would have been the, the fair result. That They're certainly not the bulldozer that I'd seen in December and got so excited about scoring all those goals. The main issue with this, of course, it is a 5-2 to two pick, uh, Bolton have played the top four teams in the league six times and they've lost every single game this season when they've played a top four team a current top four team that's Wigan, Rotherham, Wickham or Sunderland Uh, I think Ross Stewart might have some joy against the Bolton centre-backs when I think about this matchup. but overall I think it's a big occasion at the Uni Bowl I think it's going to be a crackling atmosphere and a cracking game Uh, I think it's a big price at 5-2 to and uh, yeah year of the stance one of them somewhat surprisingly I'm team Everett and team Bolton Uh, that's my nap this weekend
1: Similar personalities I would say bullish you know, anyone, whenever we're around about and anyone asks you about the podcast, you say, yeah, we're the best we're the best podcast in the world. We're the best podcast going. So...
0: Yeah, and guess what? People miss the point when I say that. It's a motivational tactic. I'm trying to motivate you, George. I'm trying to uh, empower you. I'm trying to make you feel more confident so that you I should
1: probably stop apologizing whenever you nip to the gents then, I think. Exactly.
0: So that your performance improves. And in that sense, yes, okay. me and Ever have very similar motivational tactics which are based around empowering our players even if it risks me slash Ian looking quite stupid in the public uh, sphere. What's your next best?
1: My next best is Cheltenham draw no bet at home against Wigan at 11 to 5. A uh, few reasons behind this. Um, Wigan, uh, while still picking up loads of points, um, as I mentioned on the Monday pods, are kind of limping over the line in games. And I think there's it, going to have to come a time fairly soon where if they unless they up their game, they're going to start dropping points. And I don't see any better... Uh, time to, to think that might happen in this one up against the Cheltenham side, who themselves are massively due a win. Um, they haven't won a league game, Cheltenham, in nine now, um, but there have been loads of decent enough performances within that time um, that has me thinking that surely it is coming fairly soon. Um, they came very close to beating a decent side at home last time in the league, where they conceded a 93rd minute Chucks and AK equaliser against Charlton. Uh, last time out, we saw them go to. One of, if not the best team in the league alongside Wigan in Rotherham and run out just and fairly unfortunate 1-0 winners. I'm st- I still still think the Michael Smith goal there was probably a foul on Will Boyle. Uh, before that, they went to Oxford and put in a very good performance and, and maybe deserved more than the point that they got in that one. So you've got one team in Cheltenham are putting in good performances and, and just not getting over the line. And then you've got a Wigan side who have won. Uh, seven of their last nine games by a one goal margin drawing the other two. It feels like something's got to give on both sides of the coins here and what better time for Cheltenham to get that win and for Wigan to 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 you know to finally be defeated than a game where they're both due. Um, looking at the, the data side of things as well, um, very small sample size, of course, but in the last four games in League One, Cheltenham have the second best XG ratio, which would surprise some people, averaging two XG four in those four games as well and not scoring anywhere near that. Um, they're just, you know, they're a side who I think are, are performing at a pretty high level after a, a bit of a rough patch. Um, and, win, and Wigan fans themselves, you know, this isn't a case where <clears throat> Wigan fans, just because they're winning loads of games, feel like they're flying. A lot of Wigan fans I'm seeing are saying we are getting somewhat fortunate here. You know, we're not playing as well as we did at the beginning of the season, but we're finding ways to win. Uh, and unless they make that dominance in games uh, more sustainable, I think they can expect to drop points fairly soon. Not that it matters too much, given they've got twelve games in hand on most of the league. But um, and they're still top. That's an exaggeration. So um, yeah, Cheltenham eleven to five. Jordan O'Bet bet is my next best.
0: A uh, Stoke City, are my next best, fifteen to eight. On the Betfair sportsbook, this game's live on Sky on Friday night. It's the it's the warm up act for our Sky Sports segment, <laughs> uh, looking at the January transfer window and deals that we've enjoyed so far. Uh, and I'm backing Stoke. I'm backing against Huddersfield, therefore, who were my winning nap last week. Just shows no room for sentiment whatsoever. Even though my delightful puppy Nettle, her first shout out for a few weeks, she's a terrier through and through, uh, and she'll be True. she'll be absolutely gutted about this. But Huddersfield on an unbeaten run of eight and having studied it, a lot of tight games falling in their favour. A lot of games that probably on balance a draw would have been a, a better result and maybe Huddersfield have won them or maybe a game where they could easily have lost it and they've snatched a draw. I think the unbeaten run itself and the fact of it being one of their longest unbeaten runs for a good few years is maybe a little noisy and maybe blinding to the fact that that there's no real reason to suggest that this Huddersfield side is, is invincible. And therefore, my stance is I don't think it lasts forever. There are lots of good things that they've been doing that contribute to their improved form and results improved their goals return from open play, which was huge because at the start of the season they were massively reliant on those excellent sorber set pieces. And that's made a big difference. Uh, They've definitely got players back from injury compared to early in the season. Spoke about last week the likes of Pieper, Jonathan Hogg and others. Uh, It makes their squad look a little bit stronger and they're very well coached. Corbaran, I think, has improved for his rookie season last year and certainly improved for having uh, easier conditions to coach under uh, this year compared to last year's COVID carnage. Backing Stoke, as I am, or backing against Stoke, as I have done in recent weeks, always feels a bit risky at the moment, George. I don't know if you agree, because I feel like Stoke have a, a top performance level that's really strong and much better than Huddersfield's best, in my opinion. But they've also put in poor performance with increasing frequency over the last few months. So there's this kind of higher ceiling, lower floor uh, vibe here. They're quite a volatile side but I- I'm I'm going with them. They've had everything in the last two months or so. Stoke they've had away wins at QPR, very impressive and Hull, pretty straightforward they lost away at Cov in midweek that was a pretty poor performance, albeit only a 1-0 defeat. Uh, at home it's been poor, there's no wins in five, including four defeats. So it's no wonder that the Stoke fans are feeling a little deflated after a strong start to the season. But their options are are excellent, even if it's not clicking in every game yet. You know, up front, and these are players, all of whom are available as far as I can tell. You've got Jacob Brown, Tyrese Campbell, Stephen Fletcher, plus DiMaggio Wright Phillips, who's emerged in the last few weeks, and Philogene Bedacci or Philogene Bedas. We're still working out the right way to say that. It can't
1: be (laughs) Bidachi. (laughs)
0: No <laughs> I've been heavily influenced by the excellent Wizards of Drivel Stoke City podcast who are going with um Philogene Badachi uh, to the tune of Junior Senior's Move Your Feet. Work that one out. Um in midfield, <laughs> Nick Powell's back. Huge for them. Came came off the bench in midweek, uh, might start here. They've obviously got Alan, Klukas, Lewis Baker, Vranchich is back fit, Tom Ince is filled in. Those are, what's that? That's 11 players. I've just, I oh don't know, 10 players there for five positions or so. Um, really strong. I think it's going to be a tight game. I predict a, a game that neither, that neither team dominates. I think maybe having that extra star power, if you will, could be the difference maker. I think it'd be pretty classic championship fair under the lights, live on Sky Sports. I'm just asking for a Stoke... Uh, response to that poor performance in midweek I need a performance more in keeping with those away wins at QPR and Hull or most pertinently, George, that one we saw on Sky against West Brom early in the season where they were absolutely excellent. I guess there's something stancy here as well. I, I still think from this point, who picks up the most points between the two sides this season? Still probably Stoke, even if they're a fair few points behind Huddersfield at the moment. And even if the vibe around both fan bases might not suggest it, I think I still lean towards the Potters. So uh, Stoke, my next best, 2.88. That's 15 to 8 with the Betfair Sportsbook. Don't forget the Betfair have no cash-out suspensions on match odds for all Football League games. That's applicable to singles and multiples. No cash-out suspensions whatsoever during games if you've bet on match odds for all EFL fixtures. Uh, using the Betfair exchange now, George, how have you approached it?
1: My lay bet on the exchange is I'm laying Fulham at 1.34 at home to Blackpool. Seems mighty short. All, all the talk that I can find, at least at the moment, is that Mitrovic is, at the very best, a doubt. My hunch is that he probably won't start if he's, if he's not fit.
0: Step forward, Big Rod Muniz,
1: <clears throat> Who scored a good goal against Stoke, we have to say, but I think um, I can be pretty comfortable in, in downgrading Fulham with Muniz up front rather than Mitrovic. Uh, Fulham have scored in their last four games, as has been well documented, 7-6-6-3 unsurprisingly because they haven't just broken football that is massively outperforming their xg Uh, and i think they are probably at some stage soon even if their performances remain pretty good gonna have a frustrating afternoon and who better to frustrate them than neil critchley's incredibly well i mean when they when they're at their best very efficient very well organized blackpool side and we think back to earlier in the campaign and we saw blackpool beat fulham 1-0 at home so Critchie's already done a job on a Marco Silva side. He's already managed to frustrate Fulham. Um and Blackpool are in my well, not just in my view, they are just a much better side now than they were early on in the campaign where they struggled a little bit to come to terms with life in the championship. That was that result that kind of was the, the catalyst for them. They come here off the back of two back to back wins, having beaten Hull and Millwall both one nil, again showing their defensive solidity. Um so for Fulham to be three on without Mitro. Against the mid mid table side, having recently overperformed their XG, um, yeah, there's there's no question which side of that I'd like to be on. I think it's, um, yeah, it, it, it's a lay, it's a lay from my point of view. You know, no surprise, as is often the case when you're know, laying a three on shot. If they win and win comfortably, there's no denying that they are more than likely to do so. But um, yeah, one point three four seems mighty short, and I'm getting against it.
0: Uh, I've laid Bradford City at one point eight in League Two this weekend. They're at home. To Yems's boys, Crawley Town, I'm just not impressed with Bradford at all at the moment, even in winning three of their last five after a, a run of seven without a win. I'm not really having any of them. Midweek against Walsall, they won 2-1. This game included Walsall with one of the misses of the season. I think it was George Miller, open goal missed. Basically kicked it the wrong way, which was impressive. Bass made an insane save on debut from a point-blank header. And Bradford won it at the end with a penalty which came from some kind of silly tugging in the box from a set piece. I don't get the feeling that uh, a Bradford win was necessarily going to be coming if not for intervention from a, a stupid piece of defending. So I'm writing that one off. Uh, the, the last win was against Salford, 2-1. They were 1-0 down early on in the first half and then Thomas Asante got sent off for knocking Paulie O'Connor's tooth out. So they had the whole second half against 10 men. They turned it around and won one nil, uh, 2-1 rather, and they beat Barrow 2-1. Both of those goals, complete gifts from Barrow. But in the main, I'm just not impressed with with Bradford and their performance levels. They're rarely the better side in games, as far as I can see. And they don't seem to have that Derek Adams winning knack that uh, some of his previous teams have had. So they're playing against a Crawley side who have lost the last two games. There was nothing in their game against Tranmere last weekend. Spearing scored a fluke. Uh, flute goal. Otherwise, very little in it. Low margin stuff. Uh, they lost to Stevenage previously. Again, not that much in it. And before then, it was one defeat in eight. I, I think they're very competitive. I think they're improving as the season goes on. And and they've always, to my mind, been a bit of a soft touch defensively. But now you're looking at a back three of Tunnicliffe who's returned from injury, Tony Craig and Joel Lynch. And I think in League Two, that's a solid enough back three. And I think we're seeing that. So. Kwesi Appiah is missing. He's their sort of key attacker. That's the only big issue. But Nadison and Nichols um, over the last few weeks have been looking pretty good. So um, the big thing is that Yms loves nothing more than upsetting the big boys. Uh, they've been doing it ever since he joined, uh, most notably that Leeds United Cup game. But if you look at their record last season, more so than this season, against the teams towards the top, they were better in games against the, the teams at the top of the division. And there's a mentality thing to that, I think. So I'm laying Bradford at one8 with the Betfair exchange, goals pick. Yeah,
1: I, uh, early in the week, bit of a after time, um, managed to snaffle some of the fancy, even money prices around Bournemouth against Barnsley uh, on Saturday afternoon. They're now kind of into 1.7-ish. Um, but I think there's still a way to get with Bournemouth. And I was going to do BTTS, no, at kind of 10 to 11, I think it is. But I'm going to do, as my goals bet, under... 0.5 Barnsley goals at 5-4. to four. Basically, Barnsley not to score. Bournemouth to keep a clean sheet at 5-4. to four. Um, The reason for that is that Barnsley's biggest issue at the moment isn't their defensive um, structure. They are... I mean, yes, they were well beaten 3-0 by Forest um, in midweek and I expect Bournemouth could easily put a few past them but they are just an abhorrently bad attacking team. They They do not have any Style or substance to their attacks. They struggle to really put anything together. Um, players who we may have expected to be goal scorers are struggling to score. Um, when Adebayajo scored last Saturday, I couldn't really believe my eyes that they'd actually scored a goal, and that came when they were 2 0 down anyway. Um, so, Bournemouth are a side who are still very strong defensively. They might not be posting the same numbers in terms of goals conceded early on in the season, um, but they are still a side who should find it pretty cozy uh, to keep Barnsley at arm's length. And if that if that 1.7 is right, I think the you know the 2.25 you're getting the five to four about about Bournemouth clean sheet um, is still a bit big because if they win, which I expect them to, um, I expect them to win to nil, and then you're getting the nil nil on side as well in a game where surely Asbagi will set up um, Barnsley basically to defend and try and stay in the game for as long as possible. So uh, yeah, five to four under 0. 0.5 um, goals, or you can find it on the sports book as, as Bournemouth clean sheet um, at five to four is the way I'm playing this.
0: My goals pick under 2.5 goals in Oldham against Rochdale at 10 to 11, uh, 1.91 with the sports book. Uh, this is Oldham's Shesurection 6.0, uh, new and improved. We're not sure about that actually, but it's fair to say the fans are buzzing. According to Kieran, who's on the ntt 20 squad, Oldham fan, the, the vast majority of supporters have offered to end their boycott. With attendance for the Rochdale game set to be around six, seven thousand, says Kieran. There's going to be great support for this Oldham team pretty much for the first time this season um for the most part apart from that game against vale where they packed the park and therefore i'm expecting heart desire shape structure everything that was missing against harrogate last weekend for oldham um and for at least one weekend and hopefully a few more there's there'll be a bit of a buzz in the air at boundary park but i don't think it's a team that holds a huge attacking threat bahambula sure very skillful proper individualist. Keila Davis, yes, can score a banger, um, but not strong personnel at the top of the pitch. And I'm assuming that Sheridan is going to build from the back first and target a clean sheet here. As for Dale, well, they were agents of chaos only a month ago or so, weren't they? XG monsters, but Beasley, gone. Morley, gone. That was XGsley, as we nicknamed him. And Morley, their best sort of progressive passer as well. I don't think they're quite the same team as they were a month ago. Not nearly as slick. You can understand why with the two players that they've taken out of their squad. So I'm um, going under 2.5 goals here as the shesurrection begins uh, with a low margin game. 10 to 11 with the sports book Oldham Rochdale under 2.5 goals. I'm going to roll on to my goal scorer pick actually because oh. go back to your uh, Bournemouth chat. I'm backing Solanke. To score any time at 11 to 8, 2.38, uh, the Betfair Sportsbook is the best price on the market here, and it just struck me, as you said, that you know if you wanted to get with Bournemouth here. And you agree with what we're both saying? Then the bet builder option on the Betfair sportsbook. You've got Bournemouth win, Solanke anytime, both teams to score no at five point four two. Which, after what you've said, is something that I'm going to be having a small tickle on. But my hmm. goals pick is Solanke, um, Barnsley, as you've discussed. Fourteen points from twenty six games. It's about as bad as it gets, really. I think there's there's almost some like visual thing where because they haven't been at the bottom of the table because of Derby's point deduction. Is maybe gone under the radar how bad they've been. Only six points in the last 18 games, uh, Barnsley. And they pretty consistently give up a lot of chances. So who do I think is going to take one? Solanke. Uh, he's missed a couple of chances in his last two games, but he gets plenty of them. 18 goals this season, nicely spread around, rather than scoring in batches. He's notched in 15 separate games out of the 27. Uh, and second only to Mitro in the league in terms of XG per 90. He has scored in 11 of Bournemouth's 14 wins. So if you think they're a good thing to win here, Solanke generally gets on the score sheet um, and yes, Bournemouth have been in, in pretty poor form compared to their early season blitz, but still generating a lot of shots. Their single game XG tallies in the last six, 2.26, 1.29, 2.83, 1.71, 1.78 and 1.57. That's not the sign of a, a limp attack that doesn't know how to create chances. And Solanke is always the main beneficiary. So 2.38, 11 to eight with the sports book here. Best price, uh, Solanke. That's just me jumping on the back of your goals pick, which was... Barnsley not to score, essentially. Uh, who do you fancy to score? To score? Mm.
1: Philogene is not my banker. He's just my go bet and he is for the one. Wow. Because the dance will score for fun.
0: <laughs> what has got into you, mate? I love <clears throat>
1: it. Wow. Okay. Uh, Jaden Philogene, bidace. Bedache days. He, I, I think, is probably going to start here ahead of DiMaggio Right, phillips He came on for DiMaggio with half an hour to go in midweek. And um, he has looked very dangerous. He came on with five minutes to go in his, in his debut and against Fulham. Uh, had one kind of scuff shot, scuff shot um, that was deflected onto the post. He then had another shot that was very well tipped over in five minutes he then had another decent effort Um, well he had an effort uh, in midweek he is a player who I think is being priced up as if he is going to be a winger Um, when he's come on he's played very much through the middle Uh, Michael O'Neill seems to be a manager who likes taking players who typically have been wide players and playing them through the middle we've seen him turn Jacob Brown into a striker Tyrese Campbell before his injury often played off the left he's now playing up front Um, DiMaggio is playing through the middle and I think Philogene is going to do the same as well um, so yeah, I think at four to one, he's just been priced up as if he plays a different position and I think he's going to start. And I think, I agree with you. I think Stoker Valley to win this game. Um, and I, on Friday night, live on Sky, if he does start the game, I think you're going to get a cracking run for your money. So four to one, Philogene going to score for fun.
0: Ding, 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 everybody. Jaden Philogene, bidachi. Whoa. Oh, Thank you to the wizards of Drivel for that one. Uh, let's recap our selections. I think it's high tide that we shut the hell up. Should we
1: sing them? <laughs> uh, Sheffield Wednesday, my nap. Uh, Cheltenham, draw no bet. Fulham, the lay bet on the exchange. Uh, Bournemouth to keep a clean sheet at five to four is the goals bet. And Jaden Philogene bidas, bidace, biday, good day. Four to one, any time to score against Huddersfield Friday night.
0: My nap is Bolton five to two three point five with the Betfair sportsbook to beat Sunderland at the Uni Bowl on Saturday, Friday night. Next best Stoke City fifteen to eight to beat Huddersfield. My lay Bradford City at one point eight at home to Crawley Town under two point five goals. Oldham versus Rochdale at ten to eleven, looking to go back to back with goals picks and my goal scorer. Dominic Solanke, 11 to 8, 2.38 the price with the Betfair Sportsbook to score four cherries against Barnsley's. That's been the Not The Top 20 podcast betting show. The sound of the start of the weekend, we hope, and we hope you have a good one. It's been sponsored by Betfair. Massive thanks for all of their support. Remember, with Betfair, if you bet £20 on multiples or bet builders, you'll receive a £5 free bet to use on multiples or... Or bet builders. T's and C's do apply for that one. Uh, have a great weekend. It's going to be a cracker. Go well, everyone.